liberties we prize and our rights we will maintain. This is Iowa Civil Rights History Podcast, where we tell stories about the contribution Iowans and the state of Iowa has made to advance the civil rights movement. Past stories are being told, present actions will be highlighted, and preparation for the future will be discussed. Here is your host, Eric Nyange. Welcome to the Iowa Civil Rights History Podcast. This is the part two of my conversation with Mr. Jeffries. Last time, Mr. Jeffries talked about his upbringing in Mason City, Iowa as a young black man. Today, he will be talking about the historic black church him and his siblings grew up in and the church his father helped to build. Mr. Jeffries, let's get to the church. Okay. St. John the Baptist Church was once a black church and now it's, it's historic church building sitting at 7156 Street Southwest, Mason City, Iowa. Now, when did the construction of the church started, and uh, how old were you? Let's see, 1937, so I was only, I was only one year old, probably. Okay. Right, right. They finished it, took them till 1940. It took them three years. All the work, they did themselves. And these were, these are, most of them hadn't got past the eighth grade. Wow. Walk me through the process, how this church was built. They were always trying to get this church project going. So my dad had a lot up on Van Buren, so what he did, he traded... A lot on Van Buren, a lot on 6th Street, where the St. John Church is. is right now. Okay. The materials actually came from that for 1894 Grant School, the windows and everything yeah. and everything else. They paid $600. The kids used to have to go downtown, and the city allowed them to sell tickets for money for the church, you know. St. John bought materials. Okay. That's how they started building the church on their own in 19. 19- 37. The cement work was done by African-American Spencer Brothers. They was a, oh, they were on the company in Mason City? Right. They okay. The cement company. St. John, but they also did a lot of the streets in Mason. Wow. The church was dedicated on September 29th, 1940. And they paid off the mortgage uh, June 25th, 1944. The mortgage was retired. So wh- where did you guys worship before the church was built? Oh, they washed, the, they washed, they washed it in the homes. So this started at 1918, having services in other people's houses, my dad's house. They then rented the upstairs of the Sam Razor's department store for most of their services, waiting for until they could, you know, build a structure. Okay. So that was from 1919 to 1937. They had the church meetings in everybody's home, but this was their first chance. So they bought this lot and they started yeah. building. They had the basement first, you know. Okay. Why you guys did not want to go to any other churches in Mason City? There's only one other black church in Mason City. Uh, Could you go to the white church? For some reason, uh, we weren't even steered that way. Okay. Yeah, we weren't steered that way. So was that uh, the sense of pride? To no, I think, I think, I think oh, it was, it was mostly pride because okay. I, I know Dr. Martin and uh, his wife, Berlina, went to uh, a Methodist church. In, in Mason, Mason City? City right? Okay. And then, of course, Union Memorial was a white Methodist church at one time. Then they took blacks into their church. Okay. So it was not like black people were not welcome to Oh, no, no. You, you, you could go to church. Okay. But everything evolved around St. John was, was like a cornerstone. Cornerstone. Right. Something our own. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. How many members were at church at the time? That's going to be hard. In the beginning. Like I say, uh, so you figure the church is not that big. I don't know. So maybe 100 at the most at the time. Huh. That's a pretty good number for Manson City. I can remember when we had the uh, choir. Okay. And they would go around North Iowa singing spiritual songs. Okay. And one of the things that we did, we always had picnics. New Bethel Church in Manly, which was a black church. Was that Manly Church, was it the first? 
black yeah. church? Only one. Only one? It's still there. Uh, July 25th, 1946. Picnic in East Park. East Park in Mason City. East Park in Mason City. Okay. Outside St. John Baptist Church there, there's this plaque that gives the little background of the construction of the church. There's also names of building committee members. I would like to go down the list of these names, and if you could tell me, what were the involvement with the construction of the church? Okay. And what do you remember the most about it? Okay. Right, and I'm going to save the best one at last. Mrs. Reed Allen. Reed Allen. She was uh, an uh, older lady in the church. Uh, I knew her husband more than I, knew, I had contact with him. He was a hard worker. She died first, and then Reed Allen married a friend of mine's mom, Mrs. Maser. Okay. William B. Martin. William B. He was the superintendent of St. John. I always admired him. always had a starch white shirt, very professional, and he was a mover and shaker. Okay. And Overton H. Burrow. Mr. Burrow. He was my Sunday school teacher. Okay. He was my, and he was always trying to teach you the right thing. He worked hard. He worked at the Decker's Meat Plant. Okay. Aaron E. Messer. Oh, okay. Just You just mentioned the name. Yes. Thank you, earlier. Aaron was Sterling father. And mm. With the Macers, they were all boys. Mrs. Macer, Aaron died young. So Mrs. Macer was with all them boys. So there was Morse. I always admired Morse because uh, Morse became one of the first players to become all-state football in Mason City. Mm. Then there became Richard. Richard is still living. Then there came Sterling. And then Alan, who was my friend, he died young. Oh, really? Wow. Uh- Benjamin Parker. Mr. Parker. Okay. Lived next to me. Became a minister. He was very instrumental in helping me uh, when my father passed. He was very intelligent. He used to get plays, and he had plays at the high school, black plays. Okay. Wow. James M. E. Is that Eves? Reverend Eves. That's the preacher. And he was the preacher when uh, St. John was first dedicated. Uh, his parsonage was up the street, and I can remember Reverend Eves. The ladies used to always make sure that minister on Sundays would. So I remember Reverend East coming to our house one Sunday, and we couldn't eat until he finished. And oh, so, really? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! What, what, what was that? Well, because he, uh, it, <laughs> what was the reasoning behind that? Because that was the that was the man that was close to the Almighty, and 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 so they made sure he got he what got he wanted. To, he, wow! So was was that common? Back then, like the preachers were just they were always be, yeah, high, they high would, regard. They, they would take, yeah, they high regard, and okay. they, would, they would take turns feeding him. Yeah. Because he was single at the time. He, didn't, he lived upstairs in the parsonage, you know, uh-huh. that the church paid for. It was the house was upstairs. He lived upstairs. You know? Wow. The last name on my list here, tell me what did this guy do? James Thomas Jeffries. <laughs> Who was this guy? <laughs> uh, that's my father. Okay, my father uh, was a trustee and, and treasurer. Uh, left home at 14. Mm. My dad died in 1951, July. I was 15 years old. Mm. And, uh, so when 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 did the churches stop operating? Uh, 1996. Okay. Yeah. That's not too long ago. And well, why, why was that? It's a lack of membership because at okay. one time, and so they used to have a breakfast program there, you know. The breakfast program stopped in 1985. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, St. John was the good church because we, every now and then we'd have black history. The elders would teach us. Because you know? I was baptized in St. John. In the church. What year was that? Uh, maybe 12 or 13 years. All my siblings were baptized there. In there? Yeah. Wow. Is, is there anybody else that was involved in the church besides your nephew that are still living today? 
Laura Mae Rim, no. She's in Mason City. She graduated high school in 1943. Okay. So she's got to be close to 100. Wow. Last time I saw her, she did with her daughter somewhere in Mason City. So she been in Mason City all this time? She came back. She, she went to Michigan, then she came back. And uh, Willis Haddix, they live on Carolina. That's the only one that uh, actually... Uh, there's nobody else in Mason. You know, I don't know if the boroughs or anybody's living because at one point there weren't that many more people left. So when did the church become a historic site and how did you guys do that? Okay, on October 12, 2001, with the help of Molly Newman from Ottumwa, she was an architectural historian. We did the paperwork and presented it at the state building in Des Moines. And we were approved to be a national register site. Mm. James Burr, James Burrell, James Bowman, Everett Jeffries, Greta Jeffries, Lorraine Jeffries, Mary A. Lewis, Janice Ridley, Doris Wade, Sterling Macer, Denise Jones, and Donna Florence. And so uh, we were unanimously approved to be a National Register site. It took a while, but we came back in 2002 and May 13th. Lieutenant Governor at the time gave us a plaque. Okay. So then it became a National Historical Site, which means that the city, there's not much they could do. Okay. Dr. King said these famous words, 11 o'clock on Sunday morning is one of the most segregated hour in Christian America. Did you feel like that in Mason City? Not really. And honestly, you could probably go to the white church, but the way that we were set up in Mason City, that never entered us because, Mm. you know, we had so much at St. John that we, we, we we didn't think about going to another church. What did the church mean to you then, and what does the church mean to you today? Well, and all honestly, when I was growing up, uh, it didn't mean that much to me. Yeah. Uh, my thing, I thought, I got to get out of Mason City. And what happened is that once I got out of there and then come back, uh, my friend Sterling and I said, well, we got to do something. And the church was going to fall in. So so then that we started the project on our own. We didn't know what we were doing. So then we hired Molly Newman from Ottumwa. She did the work, and she did the presentation at the state house down here. Okay. And so the church was there, but it wasn't instrumental because I thought, you know, the bigger and better things. Mm. Growing up, uh, it was there, but it wasn't there. Okay. I, was, I had, a, I, you know, I had other things. I know the world. I want to do other things, but then. And you were young at then. Right, yeah. right. And then now it's like, at this age, I figured, well, this, like I said, it's my last hurrah, you yeah. know. And so. How do you want the legacy of the church, and how do you want the I church to I would like the be church to be there uh standing and still i just would like it to be preserved or something you know it's a beautiful building and that it's still standing and built by people that didn't have no you know built with love really you know hopefully uh something will happen to it i think something positive the lady that that has it now i don't know if she's still interested but if if she doesn't continue then it'll it's at the point now if you don't do it now it's just going to fall in you know you know at this point we'll see what happens you know it's become like a labor of love now for me at this point yeah and so uh, i don't know how may city's doing but i would like them to know that at one point there was a viable black community well thank you very much for your time today okay i appreciate uh, okay. it okay yeah that's all we have thank you for listening iowa civil rights history podcast i'm your host my name is eric Nganyange. until next time one love <laughs>